1: Keep on keeping that what you love, you'll find that someday, soon
0: enough, you will rise up, rise up, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. We have an awesome guest here today, Dave Stevens. Hello, Dave. How are you?
1: Hey, how are you? I'm glad to be here, and thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining on today. I'm so excited to hear your story and sort of where you're at now, where things are heading, and all of that so thank you again so i guess we can start off with uh what's that number one interview question that everybody hates tell me about yourself
1: (laughs) it's going to be tough to visualize the stories that we're going to talk about pam and uh you know i was born without legs and strike one i was put up for adoption strike two and then uh adopted by a couple of really wonderful older people uh, but they were poor and so i was kind of born into poverty and moved around about uh, eight or nine times, and then uh, just figured out I was gonna use my disability to become my ability, and I started playing sports and doing stuff at an early age that most kids that are born without legs wouldn't do. And uh, because of those loving adoptive parents, as poor as I was, they made me into what I became and to kind of just condense it. I ended up uh, wrestling and playing high school football and baseball in Arizona, and then I went on to play college football in uh, Minnesota. Uh, I'm the only legless uh, athlete ever to play college football, and I also had a tryout with the Dallas Cowboys and uh, i then got an opportunity to play minor league baseball in minnesota where i was teammates with a couple of former major leaguers that were trying to get back to the big leagues a guy named daryl strawberry and a guy named jack morris and actually started a game at second base let off uh i've actually pinch hit for daryl strawberry in a minor league game and then uh you know my dream was to be in television and spent 20 years uh, at espn won seven emmys i'm still in television now and motivational speaker and philanthropist and a father of three. So if that's not blowing your, your listeners minds, like, holy cow, how could, you know, I guess that's kind of going to be our journey for uh, the rest of this podcast.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I, I am blown away already. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. I read up on your story and I was like, no, I got to hear it from him. I was like, I want to know all the details. Cause I find it absolutely incredible, right? You said you started off with all these strikes, so you were already counted out of what society would say, right? From day one, but you just kept going. So I guess my question is, and so in the beginning of your journey,
1: so with your adoptive
0: parents, it sounds like they played a huge role in your life.
1: They did. And you know, I wouldn't be who I am today if I probably had different parents that would have coddled me and uh, uh, pampered me. But because they were older and my mom had developed cancer kind of throughout my life, my dad had to take care of her a lot, I had to learn to do things on my own. So I literally learned to crawl before I could learn to crawl. And I had to be able to figure out things and do things kind of just right from the beginning. So uh, for me, they really kind of, they didn't hold me back, which led me to grow. And so I was able to start at such an early age and then the Shriners found out about me and, and started paying for artificial legs. So I started traveling around the state and to California and I'd put on shows and sing songs and take the legs off and, you know, show them what their money could do. And it was, it was fun. It it was a a way to kind of showcase who I was. And I think it just from an early age, it's just like your, your podcast. I was an underdog and everybody would expect, especially in the sixties, they could still institutionalize people that meant they could put you in a hospital and just keep you there for whatever disability you had. It was, if I was up for adoption, I'm lucky I was adopted. So I could have easily spent it 10 years or so before they dismantled those things. So I'm, I'm very lucky. And then to turn out and then to be able to play sports and to utilize that and to just travel around the world, I played in football in Ireland, New Zealand and Australia and played football with the Wounded Warrior football team still where you know I'm playing with Snoop Dogg and all these superstars and so I, I pinch myself. I've lived a Forrest gimp life. You know, I've done all these things that people Only dream of or don't believe. And and I'm so happy that for your listeners, Pam, they can go to YouTube and Google Dave Stevens Speaks and look at the videos because there's videos of me sacking a quarterback in college and hitting a baseball in the minor leagues and all these things that people would just go, no way. And that's why it's cool that when you look at a resume, it's impressive of, hey, he did this, he got his doctorate or whatever. You're looking at a resume, you're looking for the impressive things. And then in your mind, you would think this is a six foot one athlete that did all this. And then boom, there's a picture of me with no legs sitting in the outfield. There was strawberry and people just can't conceive that somebody could do that. So I'm not special. I just, I was an underdog and I decided that I wanted to go out and prove people wrong, you know, at an early age.
0: When you were adopted, what age was that at?
1: I'm from the hospital. So they were like a not a halfway house, but they took a lot of kids that were in transition, you know, before they get adopted. So they were foster parents and they would do that until they either got placed or their family situation got better or something like that. So I had kids around me all the time, but I was one of those babies. And for some reason they fell in love with me. I don't know if it was my amazing charm and charisma, however it was, but I'm so lucky. And I wouldn't want to be any other way. I know people ask that question. Would you do you wish you could get uh, real legs or have a transplant? Or, you know, I wore artificial legs for almost 40 years. And I tell them, no, I've lived this dream. And I continue to chase those dreams and chase those things and be that underdog and be that David versus Goliath kind of guy. And I want to now teach kids and help kids and and mentor them so they can realize that there can be role models like uh, Shaquem Griffin, who was born without one arm and played in the NFL and Jim Abbott pitched in the major leagues with one arm and Dave Stevens played football with no legs. You know, You want to hear these stories of people, this is my normal. This is just because I was born without legs, I hate that term disability or handicap because if a car is disabled, that's a bad thing. And we shouldn't use those terms for human beings. I know now we're in this politically sensitive world, but this is for another show, a Battle of Special Olympics. It's such a derogatory word, and it's archaic by okay. a Kennedy family from the 60s that grew up affluent and white. And, you know, we've picked all these labels that they, it should be like the hero games or the inspired games or something that shows that these kids have, you know, I wouldn't want my kid to be special. I want my kid to be an athlete. So I try to champion them those kind of causes and let people realize that you know you can do anything if you put your mind to it despite the odds being against me
0: yes absolutely and now question for you so when you were growing up what sort of what was like your biggest tipping point would you say or like your biggest inspiration
1: I didn't really have a lot of inspiration because there was nobody like me. There wasn't a how to play sports for dummies without legs book. So my motivations as I grew became bigger and bigger, like my football coach and my wrestling coaches who became family and let me stay with them because we couldn't afford to drive 20 miles back and forth on the weekend. So my coaches would let me live with them. And I got to watch HBO for the first time in my life and things that you take for granted being poor. And uh, so the mentors really started helping me develop in high school and helped me having that tip on my shoulder to be able to play competitive sports that would get me equal with all you leggies, you know, and suddenly I'm doing things and I'm getting on TV and I'm on that's incredible. And all these shows and it, then I get us to college, you know, then it started building. So, you know, like I say, I turned my disability into my ability and the mentors, like I still am in touch with my wrestling coach who just turned 70 my baseball coach who's 86 and they're my family. They're the people I go back to Arizona and see because they made me who i am my adoptive parents died um when i was 18 and 19 my mom finally died from cancer my dad died a year and a half later so i lost all of my mentoring at an early age and, and i've been on my own so i you know had those up and downs and dealt with some drugs with uh, you know for a while and. You know, I've been clean since January of 87, as far as dealing with things like that. So I've been to the highs and the lows and the mentors at that young age who I'm still with are so instrumental to me. My coach Smith, coach Kenrick, you know, those guys. And with the COVID, it, it's horrible because I can't go see them and hug them and see these things. And those people and like my, and my parents, you know, my deceased parents were probably the most instrumental.
0: How- did you build this amazing resilience in your mind to take something that would be so negative to some people, right? But turn it into something so beautiful. Like I find that absolutely fascinating about you it's like innate to you but I think it's such a gift and it's incredible because how you talked about you know when people look at you you prefer to go out and talk to them so that the next time they see somebody you know they don't think about it in a negative light or they don't have those prejudices in their mind which I think is amazing and that is what really contributes to change in society I truly believe you know so I find it very powerful that you do things like that so it's like I'm just interested in like how do you keep that resilience in your mind when you do face like this type of of rejection or like I just think it's fascinating. So if you could elaborate on that too, that would be amazing. Because I just think your mentality is so beautiful and powerful and it's like the world needs that so much and you're incredibly gifted. So
1: <laughs> I've had my demons I've had to battle, you know, and I still have to deal with the depression and, and stuff like that, that that goes along with the gift that I've been given. But I've always felt that no matter at my lowest point when I was you know, doing cocaine and sitting in a jacuzzi at two o'clock in the morning thinking, what have I done? My parents are dead, I've let everybody down and I had this epiphany, you know, uh, said I'd like to get my scholarship back, get my job back and go back to Minnesota and start my life again. And so that dark period I had in uh, 1990 or 1985, 86, you know, that was probably where I didn't have people to turn to and friends because my my parents were dead and I just was so lost. So the resiliency just became a want to be better. I I thought all these people that had put me on a pedestal at a young age going, hey, we worked with Dave and taught him how to play sports and he's going to be this amazing thing. And he did all these TV things in high school and he was a hero and a superstar. I felt like I'd let everybody down. And so I felt like that challenge was everybody that had believed in me, I had to get back up. And so the rest of my life, I've known that there will nothing be worse than that lowest point in my life. And I try to tell people that are struggling with addiction and everything, like despite your lowest low, it's going to get better. And you just need the time to invest it. Don't take drugs, don't do all these things that mask it, drinking, all these kind of things. If, you can't go into a rehab if you don't want to get help and there are so many people that just don't have so much pain they don't want to get help. And I was able to to do that and then turn it into hey I still had these goals. I wanted to be famous on TV and I wanted to play professional sports and so I did that and I, I've i achieved those goals and now the, the goals are, are you know, smaller, but more important. Like I want to see my three sons graduate from college and to grow up to be beautiful men. And hopefully I get grandkids before I die since I'm an older parent kind of thing. But, you know, parenting has been probably the biggest challenge, even more so than sports and everything like that, because I've tried to give them a normal life and give them everything I didn't have being poor. So I've had to make all these sacrifices and things and not, you know, yes, they're spoiled and I'm sorry, but I didn't have that. I moved, you know, thirteen times. I think in as you know, grade schools and moving around because of we were poor. And I didn't, you don't understand it when you're in those times. So I've tried to continue to teach them that what's it like to my challenges with a disability, but also how to treat people with respect. And they get the benefits of traveling around and meeting stars and people and being a part of all these things with you know the humility and they're humble and they appreciate it. And they know dad struggles, but uh, they also – I don't think they think of me without legs. I don't think they think of their dad anything different because when we go to places and their teammates and schoolmates realize who I am and they're like, you never told us about this. You didn't tell us you were on the field with uh, Tom Brady last week. You didn't tell us you were hanging out with Tim Tebow. Like, they they never brag about it. So it's like it's been awesome to come full circle to – teach and try to instill, like you said, the proper way to treat people and love people. And and that's why I wish there were more people like you that cared about us underdogs that are trying to show that, hey, there's a lot of good things in the world and a lot of people along the way that helped me, that helped you to get us to where we are.
0: I'm just absolutely fascinated by your mentality and your willingness to just keep going. Even though you said you do battle your own demons, but here you are always like bettering yourself and just like, all right, you got here you got knocked down that's okay let's keep getting back up and like you just keep going and now you talk about you know becoming a parent and that whole world and when they think of you they think of you as dad there's nothing different you're dad you know which i think is is so awesome now i know covid has kind of affected your speaking career and all of that all of that now sort of what's what's coming up next for you in your role
1: my world you know i've been horrible <laughs> and it's been so much horrible for so many other people so i, I still i can't complain but I've almost had to reinvent myself and I started doing this little, you know, home internet show that kind of exploded into got picked up by a radio station that now streams it and now it airs Thursday nights and I get like really good guests like stars and stuff because I have so many good connections and you know my shows they know my interview style is not to ambush you it's like let me do your homework and pull some stuff out of you like you've done here and it's almost like therapy and you know I, I pattern it after Howard Stern and I know he gets a bad rap but you know, he's evolved from the penis and dick jokes to uh, probably the best interviewer there is. You know, when you hear him and suddenly, I love Lady Gaga. I didn't know Lady Gaga until, I, you know, and you find out, you get these elements of people. So I try to do that. Do your homework. Make it positive. Talk about their mentors, like you said, and what, you know, and they respect that. So you pick up the phone and they go, oh, yeah, Chris Long? Yeah, I'm his agent. He said he'll do your show or I get, you know, a, a Pittsburgh Steeler, uh Rocky Blyer, and I surprise him with Franco Harris, another famous stealer. Like you get to do, you know, I, I've Rob Gronkowski loves me. We, Gronk and I have done all kinds of stuff together. So it's like you get a good reputation where you know you're not going to take advantage of them. Or you know, tabloid stuff is for ESPN and you know, Deadspin and and TMZ. Like I I'd like to know. Was it your father or your mother the most influential person in you, or where did you figure out Tom Brady your work ethic or you know, and then they like to talk about that, and then you might learn some insight rather than hi, you know how did you meet Giselle? who cares like you know right. they it, You know, it's like, give me something that no one ever gets. So I've really tried to pattern that. So, you know, I've got this show that, uh, you know, it's been amazing. And now I get following, you know, more and more. And hopefully, you know, it'll help build up my social media. Because as you know, the struggle of trying to tell a good story, nobody will follow you. Nobody cares. But if a kid kicks another kid in the groin and (laughs) the 1.7 million views on TikTok, you know, so it's like, I can't understand, you know, the things that I'm doing the priorities it shows why we're in this world that we're living in um because i i would think the things i'm doing would inspire motivate more and they do and i'm proud of it but you know it's like it's like it's we, our priorities are so really, really bad right now, you know, so um, I'm going to keep battling and keep doing it and trying to get my story out there and helping people and sharing it. And, you know, and it's so, uh, an amazing person like you, Pam, saw it. And so now here we are talking
0: totally Oh my God, I love it. I love it. And then there you go again with taking, you know, taking something like COVID. Oh, crap. I can't go out and speak. And then just like opening your own show, like you're like Midas, you're like King Midas. Everything you touch is gold somehow, right? At some point time, which is so cool. As you try, it's because of your mentality, I think for sure.
1: And it's helping me because I'm now teaching and helping people because there's this platform called Restream.io where you can take all of your feeds and send them out on all your media platforms simultaneously so I'm doing three cameras I'm running three cameras during my show with graphics and all this stuff and it looks like a TV show and people are liking it and it's so you know so I'm trying to teach people like yourself you could if you have Facebook pages YouTube you merge it on restream you go live anytime you type in your information so I'm helping I'm trying to help all the people that I can help, you know, as this old man has learned tricks, you know, if you go to my YouTube channel and my pages and you've seen my work, I edit everything on my my cell phone, all the graphics, fonts, everything. They've said switch to the MacBook, but I've learned to do it and you can't tell, you know, that I do three camera shoots, you know, with two cameras, you know, you can't tell with the editing and and so you you can do so much. So, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed, I'm so invigorated, and now I can teach people, and I can teach the Disability Channel how to do their own programming and help them more and help all these other organizations. Uh, you know, just this past weekend, I had a baseball camp in St. Louis, and we had all of our gear stolen the morning of our camp. I put together a video, posted it on Facebook. $3,000 in one day from my fans, Sam's fans, everybody with nubability, and it was so just overwhelming to see the love you know that you could just generate from social media so there is good in what we can do despite all the bad that we see with you know politicians and you know all these other things
0: amazing amazing Dave I have a question for you what what would be your biggest piece of advice to anyone overcoming any type of challenges
1: it's so cliche-ish but just don't ever give up don't ever quit it's like we're gonna fail we're gonna fall down a lot Yeah, my butt's on the ground, so I'm like a weeble, I'll wobble, but, you know, I'll fall close to the ground every now and then, and you put it in perspective of a guy with no legs who's had three shoulder rotator cuff surgeries, and you're laying there on a bed with one arm and no legs trying to figure out how you can go to the bathroom, so... It's always going to get better. I was able to heal and I'm coming back and I'm doing my things. And no matter the lowest low, you lose a loved one, someone dies, uh, you know, all all the bad things that can happen, it's going to suck for a while and you've got to grieve and and you've got to get through these things, but you, you can get out and do more and still contribute no matter the lowest low, no matter, you know, just the biggest thing I said is just go out and fail. No. No, I mean, you have, you know, there are a few regrets. You know, I, like, I wish I had not worn artificial legs for 30 years thinking I needed to be eye level with everybody to be equal. It took its toll on my body, but you know what? Uh, again, other things may not have happened because of what I did or how I was seen or whatever. You have regrets in love life. Like you regret a, a girl, the first love of your life telling you she couldn't love a man without legs as much as a man with legs. Like you live with those things forever, those kind of things. And it is different in the dating world. Everybody wants a A six foot tall blonde blue eyed man, or a five eleven woman, depending. You know, and I'm not saying it's against whatever gender you want, but you have a an idea. Nobody's sitting there in sixth or fourth grade going, "Oh, I wish I could meet a man of my dreams with no legs." Like it's it's a different concept, and it's also tougher for people to, I guess, deal with it and then think about it in that romantic way, or you know, all those kind of things. So yeah, I. I just have to just be positive all the time because you know i 'm lucky the things that i 've been able to do and accomplish, and three beautiful boys you know a great career in television and and now being able to reach out and and talk to kids and and try to motivate them to let them see the world in a different light, but also those with the unseen afflictions you know because like I say. I'm normal. You're normal, Pam. This is our normal. We try to label all these things and I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be known as this or this. Like say I don't have legs or say I'm limb different but I'm not handicapped. I'm not disabled and these kids need to know that that if they have a little differences. You're wearing glasses. You're a little chunky. Your skin's bad. Like that's our normal and we shouldn't worry about all those things so superficial because We have this to work with to get things better and to fix, and that's what we have to stress more of.
0: Last question for you is, what would your older self tell your younger self? Wow. (laughs) It's a deep question, I know.
1: It's deep. I guess I would just tell myself to enjoy the ride a little more, because I think as young, I was always looking to jump into the next thing and to just try to conquer and conquer, and I haven't been able to set back and Kind of look and look and reflect on my life and look at the things that I've been able to do and you know achieve and overcome and and I think I, you know I'll sit back someday and appreciate all this because if you look at the accomplishments and things like that I I just I never get caught up in the accolades I I don't think of myself as a hero or special or you know it, it it's weird and I know it's my business and I know I'm supposed to but I'm just this guy that got dealt a little different situation and was able to overcome it. And I know there are more out there. There are other greater stories than mine, and I'm just... I'm blessed that Pam you've given me this opportunity to, to share my story a little. It's
0: really an honor to be completely honest. I've learned so much from you in our in our conversation already and I cannot wait to hear the feedback from everyone else and I can't wait to see what you do with your show too. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you're here you are reinventing yourself again and you know, post-COVID, I'm sure you're going to get out there and be doing more events and all all fun stuff. So what what's like post-COVID looking like for you? Any bigger plans?
1: I'm hoping with learning this technology that you know I would like to be able to help other speakers drop their programs into schools and with the technology I'm learning it's easy to do so you and I could co-host something and, and educate people or you know it's so easy especially with Restream where it's not like Zoom where it's all clunky you can do graphics you can get sponsors you can do all this kind of thing and people that are used to speaking like I, my buddy he's a 95 year old World War II vet Alan Moskin was my guest and he's like Dave I could die any day, and I can't tell my story about lib- being the first army liberator of the Nazi concentration camps. So he was my guest last week. I hooked him up with the National Museum of Veterans and War Memorial, and now they're going to try to do stuff with him, and he gets to tell his story. So there's so many things that we could do out there. To These kids are sitting at their laptops. I'm sure they're sick of their teachers and what I'd like to do is get more and more programs going where I can tell my story and I can pop up a video and show these kids or I host somebody or help somebody that hey drop your stuff at my site and we'll do your program and I'll put it on their Facebook page today or on their YouTube channel or you know there's so many things so yeah, I'm I'm hoping, you know, more people will go to Dave Stevens Speaks and look at my stuff. And like I said, follow me, shameless plug on Instagram, Facebook. Like you can see my daily adventures. I put up silly things. I put up humorous things. I put up inspiring things. Like I just try to make people laugh, but also make them think and make them be self-aware. And you can see old footage of me playing football and baseball and still currently I'm playing sports. So... I'm going to try to continue to do this as long as these these arms are going to let me be my legs at the same time.
0: So is it your website that you post on or is it your, your Facebook page? Just so we can tell everybody where to find you.
1: Dave Stevens Speaks is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, but I don't think people watch Twitch much. Uh, and I just joined TikTok this week. Oh and I'm... boy. <laughs> so see me dancing and doing stuff with this dog. No, I, I feel so old untuck but it suddenly apparently it's like the new tool so as a one-man band you'll see a lot of great content that's what i'm saying i'm shocked that more people out there aren't seeing it because i got a lot of good stuff out there and i got a lot of good friends and i'm just lucky
0: Thank you so, so much. I'm definitely going to be making sure I follow each and every single one of your accounts for I for One. And I'm sure everyone listening will, too, after hearing your awesome interview and how amazing you are as a human being and and all the great things that you're doing for the world. So, David, it's really been an honor. Thank you so,
1: so much. Thank you. It just proves your point that underdogs can achieve things, right?
0: Absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own.